to us in Chinese medicine, fertility comes from an overflow of chi and blood. Like I've got so much, you know what I mean? My body's got all the things it needs to do. And I have so much that I, I can make another human because it's a huge task. Not from an empty tank. Superwomen yeah, are that's listening it. to this because so yes. many of them think that they can will themselves into fertility. No. I think that's a big one. Like, well, I want it, it's going to happen and I'm doing X, Y, and Z and therefore it should happen on this timeline. But so many people are, are working from an empty gas tanks. Hi everyone and welcome to Superwoman Wellness. I'm Dr. Taz. I've made it my mission throughout my career in integrative medicine to support women in restoring their health using a blend of Eastern medical wisdom with modern science. In this show, I will guide you through different practices to find your power type and fully embody the healthiest and most passionate version of you. I'm here for you and I can't wait to get started. This is a Soul Fire production. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Superwoman Wellness, where you know we're determined to bring you back to your superpowered self. The dream of starting a family is something that I get to talk to women about very often in my practices at Center Spring MD. And it's something that we, the majority of us, honestly want and hope for and don't think about as we're sort of pummeling through and building our careers. So imagine the disappointment when you walk into the doctor's office and they sort of deliver a sentence almost of saying, sorry, too late, can't do it, your eggs are bad. I had one person, one patient I'll never forget where someone told her a reproductive endocrinologist said your eggs are bad. So you might want to think about a dog. Well, we are not going to walk that path. We are going to find answers. We're going to find answers that really help us all fulfill that dream of wanting a family. So to help us with all of that, I have Amy Roop. I hope I'm saying your last name correctly. She's a licensed- Ralph, it's Ralph. I had a feeling yes. I messed up. Amy okay. Ralph. It's okay. Licensed acupuncturist and a women's health and fertility expert and coach. And she's the best-selling author of the books, Chill Out and Get Healthy. I love that. Yes, You Can <laughs> Get Pregnant, Body Belief, and the Egg Quality Diet, which is out now, yeah. right? Has that been yes, released? Yes, it is. It came out in June, yeah. Wonderful. She works virtually with clients all over the world, and she's a licensed acupuncturist and herbalist in private practice in New York and Connecticut. She holds a master of science degree in traditional oriental medicine from the Pacific College of Oriental Medicine and a bachelor's degree in biology from Rutgers University. She's the head of Chinese medicine at The Well in New York City and is a frequent speaker at women's health and wellness conferences across the nation. Welcome to the show. Yes. So happy to have you here. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Taz. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I love it. And you know, Chinese medicine is a part of my passion. I also got licensed in acupuncture years ago. Oh, did most, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. I did most of it in the practice in the early days of the practice and now have farmed it out to my team, but it's something I'm so passionate about that we always do like a meridian evaluation with every patient that's kind of coming through and yeah. Really, Truly believe in its role in, in health and wellness in general. So talk to us a little bit about maybe you to begin with and your journey, and then we can get into this idea of egg quality and all that other stuff. So give us a little glimpse sure. on what led you down this path to begin with. Yeah, well, I mean, as you read, I have uh, an undergraduate degree in biology and chemistry, and the plan was to go to medical school and become a medical doctor. And I got a very bad score. Well, a poor score on my MCATs. The first time I took God. them, I had a great, I had a great GPA. I just did terrible in the MCATs. And so I didn't get in right away, which was like, 
long story short, a blessing in disguise. Right. I went in and I did graduate work. Um, I was doing graduate work in neuroscience and during that path kind of led me to Chinese medicine, which is this interesting, um, you know, synchronistic, synchronistic events that led me to understanding more about Chinese medicine and acupuncture. And so I decided to leave my graduate program. Um, I was at UCSD and I enrolled in acupuncture program out in San Diego and fast forward 20 some odd years later, um, you know, I fell in love with it immediately because it felt like this missing piece for me where it was very much a holistic, you know, and at the time I was, yeah. you know, under a microscope studying like cells and how they would change. And it just didn't feel like I was capturing the whole gist of what was happening right. from, from a health perspective. And, and so, yeah, I've been practicing, you know, it's just about 20 years now in clinical practice and, you know, just started to kind of see, I guess, a pattern in my patients' Um, if I focused, like hyper-focused on a specific illness or symptom, you know, I would compartmentalize it similar to how Western medicine does. But if you really step back and look at the whole body and like, where are things like, what's the, what's the root of this disease or discomfort or disharmony in their body and how to bring that patient back into alignment on all the levels, mental, emotional, physical, and nutritional, that's when you saw health really flourish. And so whatever they were coming to me for. I was practicing in New York City and I started to just get a lot of women, a lot of hormone health, and then a lot of women trying mm -hmm. to get pregnant that became, I didn't choose it. It really kind of became a the part same. of my practice. Yeah, it just yeah. started coming to me. And yeah. I think because of my Western background, like I have a very strong understanding of Western medicine and and I really like, I was a scientist before I became an acupuncturist. So I really like that measured end yep. result, you know, and like pregnancy is, is very obvious, you know, yep. or, or FSH changing or estrogen changing, right? Like it's very, I, I like to look at the labs. I like to look at the data. I like to see the shifts, not just the, you know, the subjective. I like to see the objective change. And, um, and I just started to see this pattern though, where women felt, you know, kind of like you said in the introduction, just super disempowered, right? It was just they were too old, uh, even if they were 33 or they were 43, they were too old and chances are it wasn't going to work and they were going to have to do, you know, fertility treatments, which I, I'm not at all against on any right. level. You know, I love right. integration and I love supporting women through that, but it just, all their power was taken from them. And it was all based on basically their labs, right. Yeah. And, and the, the number of years old, which they change were all the time, by the way, like, you know, it used yeah. to be like, you might remember too, like way back in the day, they used to say before AMH even existed, right? It was yeah. like, you're only as good as your highest FSH. Do you remember that? Right. FSH right. is the gold standard. You're only as good as your highest FSH. And right. it's like, but wait, when estrogen does this, FSH does this. Isn't right. that very interesting, you know? Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, I've gotten, as you have too, to see how things have evolved over time. And what I love about what I get to do is, is it hasn't evolved much. It's, it's, you know, we, we, we understand more about what we can do with diet and supplements and things of that nature. But as far as lifestyle and as far as like the flow of energy in the body that that's been around for thousands of years and, and the basics of, of what, you know, I promote in my practice and in, from a Chinese medicine perspective uh, has, has always worked to really restore harmony and homeostasis in the body. And, and from there, that's where fertility thrives. And so mm -hmm. that just led me down the path of wanting to educate and empower women more. And so I wrote the books and, you know, now have online programs and all those things, but yeah. You know. 
It's such a need because I do still to this day feel like women are still not getting the information that Chinese medicine teaches us about the importance of preconception, what you'd even do in conception, like all these postnatal chi, like all these ideas mm-hmm. from Eastern medicine that were so sacred and so important. But let's talk about this egg rush, right? Like what what <laughs> is rush. what is happening? First of all, what's happening to women? Are they having a problem with their eggs? And what is it that we can do, you know, to improve egg quality or are we really just sort of destined with what we're destined with? No, I don't think we're destined for what we're destined with. I think, uh, I think yes, fertility does decline with age, right? Just like anything else in the body, but I don't, the decline isn't nearly as significant as we're made to believe, right? Mm-hmm. I think some of the statistics show, I think the average doctor will say you have a, you know, um, 33% chance of conceiving over the age of, sorry, 66% chance of conceiving over the age of 35 naturally within one year of trying. However, the statistics show more like 80 something percent, you know, and then as we get closer to 40, it kind of goes down by about six to eight percentage points. And so it's not nearly as significant. Like I hear doctors tell women that are 40, 41, 42, you have a 5% chance of being pregnant naturally with your own eggs. I don't know where they're actually getting that data other than I think they're pulling the data from actual fertility clinics. So if you're having trouble conceiving and you make it to a clinic, Ah. these are the odds. However, I've never seen, I don't know if you've seen either this, I've never seen a massive cohort, Mm -hmm. large study with women in their forties. And so I'm not quite sure where that statistic come from. I, I, what I see clinically and what I've seen in the statistics when I really dig deep is it's about 50%. You have about a 50% chance of a healthy live birth coming home with you as you get, and it's even upwards in the forties, you know, but there's not a ton of data, but so, but with that being said, there's a lot that we can do. So I think we get, we're under this impression that we're born with all the eggs we have, which right. there, there is some, there's some question about that too, that right. there's some ovarian stem yeah. cells. Like there, there's some interesting research out there. Doesn't get a lot of publicity, but it's out there. Um, and there's things we can, you know, we know now too, there's, there's hormones, there's PRP, there's things yeah. we can do to actually improve ovarian, um, like cellular growth in the ovaries. But, um, we're under the impression that then as we get older, the eggs just get badder and badder or worser and worser, if you will. But what's tr- the truth is, and, and, and I know you know this, is they're sitting there dormant. Yes, all of our eggs are. And they get recruited, though, about 90 to 100 days before you ovulate. So the egg you're about to ovulate right now, say you're you know, in your in your cycle, was recruited about 100 days ago. And during those 100 days, as it matures, in the process of follicular genesis, it's impacted by the environment in your body. But mm-hmm. cellularly or structurally, it actually has all the makings of becoming a good, healthy embryo, right? It's about then the first division that has to happen, right? And like the meiosis, when everything right. starts to split, it's, it's about that. And then it's about when egg and sperm meet and then when they divide. And so it's about this type of alignment and cellular division that happens there. And that's not really talked about. And what influences that though is, you know, at the core, like I said, actually in one of the reproductive endocrinologists I work with, he said something brilliantly. He said, actually, all your eggs are good. It's, it's the environment and the cellular, you know, fluid that surrounds those eggs. And basically 
if we want to be general, inflammation that surrounds and is in your body that impacts the cellular division and then will impact basically the, the health of the egg and or the embryo when it, when it mates with the sperm. And so what research is showing us too is that we actually can improve our egg quality even as we get older, which seems to go against everything we're being right. told. Right. So, okay. So we can improve our egg quality. Can we improve the number of eggs maybe that we have as we get older? I, I don't, I don't know about that. Like I don't, okay. I don't ever say that. What I do is right. say and remind women is that even in menopause, you still have about a thousand eggs or sometimes even more left. So you don't sure. run out of them, mm -hmm. you know? And I always remind women too, like even if your AMH is a 0.1 or your FSH is a 16 or something like all that really matters is it's, first of all, it's just a, a picture or a snapshot of your reproductive potential for that month. Mm -hmm. And it's also a determining factor for your fertility doctor on how much meds they can use with you or how good right. of a responder you'll be. So, but there is research that shows women of different AMHs. So it's dramatically different, high versus low, same age group in one year, same pregnancy outcomes. Wow. So AMH doesn't seem to impact pregnancy outcomes. It only impacts fertility outcomes when you're trying to get, you know, more bang for right. your buck, if you will, and go in and get a bunch of embryos. But I, we do run out of eggs. Meaning, I shouldn't say we do run out of eggs. We, we do get rid of a lot of eggs kind of every month, but gotcha. even at the end, we still have about a thousand left. And there is the doctor, one of the doctors I'm working with, Dr. Murphy of Rejuvenating Fertility Center, he does ovarian PRP and he can basically get the, he can get your antral follicle count back up. That's the best wow. way I would describe it. And so it just, it encourages, you're doing CRP, you know, PRP right. is like the platelet rich plasma. Yeah and you inject it into the ovaries, um, it's a really straightforward, easy, you know, minorly invasive procedure, a couple thousand dollars, but it gets women's, it almost like re reinvigorates them, reduces them. And he looks at it too. It's like, we're basically taking the platelets and that have, you know, the stem cell factors and injecting that into the ovaries and getting, so in that regard, have I seen, I've seen antral follicle count go up, but we really do have no idea if eggs are going up or down. We just, wow. we don't have a true measure of that Got because, it. you know, AMH and FSH give us an idea of ovarian reserve, but now we know that they change all the time. Right. And so I think it comes down to ovarian blood flow. And, and that, that's another thing that's being well-researched is improving microcirculation to the ovaries and the uterus really seems to impact their function. So we could huh. see women with like PCOS or endometriosis where that's inhibited, right? The, right. the blood flow is really compromised. So we're going to see poor, you know, obviously we see high AMH with PCOS girls, but typically poor quality, right? But we get mm -hmm. the AMH under control. We, you know, we manage the inflammation. We regulate that cycle. We see quality improve. Endo is the opposite. We usually see lower AMHs. And then you kind of, you take care of the endo and you'll see AMH bounce back. Wow. Fascinating. Okay. So this is everything that I've seen in practice for sure. Yeah. The yeah. numbers going all over the place and all yeah. that stuff. So, okay, let's talk about just improving egg quality in general. What are the principles of that? Like, what is it that's really impacting egg quality? What would you say, you know, you know, I hear all these IVF stories. I, I never did IVF, um, you know, but I hear all these stories from women that come through and they're like, yeah, I only had this many healthy eggs and this many, you know, whatever eggs that they can use. 
what do you, what what are the differentiating factors? What makes one egg better? Than, I feel like we're having an egg fight. Like, what makes my egg better than your egg? You know, so what what's happening? There's stuff here? we don't know, though. Right, so right, right like right. the goal is when we're talking about egg quality, the truth is like we just don't know okay. uh, unless maybe we did IVF with the PGS testing, right? Which is the pregenetic screening mm-hmm. where they take a little biopsy of the embryo when it reaches a day five blast and send it off for screening and they see if there's chromosomal abnormalities or not. Right. However, that testing leaves out a lot of other variables because there's a lot of women with PGS normals that unfortunately, right. you know, miscarry or don't make it to term or don't get pregnant at all. And we have no idea why they say right. less than 5% of PGS normals that implant will, will miscarry. But I feel like I've seen, I've seen it a little higher. There's questions around the testing, but, but I think coming back to like the basics of like what makes an egg healthier, I try to look at it from like my Chinese medicine lens too, of just like, I want like a juicy egg, right? Like a, you know, like she, she's like the sperm fight, you know, and the egg's really smart and she knows which ones to let in and not. And it's like, Mm -hmm. I want a highly intelligent, juicy egg that's going to let the right sperm through. And there's a lot of mechanisms that happen in there that we still don't clearly understand, but I kind of see it as, as we get older, or even as we maybe don't live in, in true alignment and treat our body the way we could, and maybe live as uh, health consciously as we could. And health is also mental, emotional. So I don't want to leave that Mm -hmm. part out, but Mm -hmm. is the egg becomes more fragile. It's, and then I look at it like that. Like, so when something's more fragile, it's much more likely to kind of fragment when it, when it gets fertilized by that sperm versus with something really like juicy and plump, it's kind of like that sperm goes in and the division starts to happen and we get, you know, more proper aligned cellular division, Mm -hmm. which will then lead to a healthy baby. But what, what we can see is reducing inflammation, which again, is just a general uh, you know, everybody talks about inflammation now, what, but what I see too is like reducing, I say emotional and physical inflammation seems to improve pregnancy outcomes and make healthier babies. And also if I've had girls going through fertility treatments and maybe going all the way to testing, we start getting more embryos that make it all the way to blastocyst or fertilize naturally. And then also if they're testing, we get, we get more healthy embryos, which so we can see that lab wise. And then, you know, when we're not doing assisted reproductive techniques, we just see fertility outcomes start to improve. Girls that were trying to conceive for three or four years, all of a sudden start getting pregnant, right? And naturally, and maybe they had failed IVF treatments in the past. So for me, the approach is, you know, a whole, whole body makeover. I'm sure similar to what you do of, mm-hmm. you know, the, the chemicals in the environment. I mean, we know the endocrine disrupting chemicals are doing a number on the hormones and, they seem to impact women more than men because they just have more of an affinity to estrogen and they seem to, you know, mimic estrogen in their Mm -hmm. body and are disruptive that way. And I think to those chemicals impact how our liver detoxifies because it it almost like puts more of a burden on the liver. So it's like, I got to deal with these things. I can't really deal with anything else that's going on. Right. It, It almost, the body has to prioritize if you will. So non-toxic bath and beauty products to, um, you know, better sleep habits. We know sleep is the number one way to restore ourselves. So it's really about like, you know, I always, I always say is improving egg quality. Isn't just about improving the, the quality of the cells in your ovaries. Every single cell in your body will get healthier. 
when you do things to improve your egg quality. That's how it should work. We can't really, there's not one supplement out there, like maybe CoQ10 or, you know, like the things that have been researched that we know really improve egg quality, but what does CoQ10 do? It helps improve mitochondrial function, right? Blood flow, mitochondrial function, like, you know, antioxidants, they help every single cell in the body, not just the eggs. So what we're seeing is too much, too much oxidation, right? So too much like stress and and premature aging, age our eggs, decline our fertility. If we battle that, if you will, or go to the opposite side and we really support antioxidant and we create a very, um, you know, harmonious flow in the body, that's when fertility outcomes seem to improve, even as a woman's getting older. So I go after it with diet. I, you know, typically the approach, I mean, it's all in my book, the egg quality diet, but I think to sum it up is seems to be like an autoimmune paleo depends on the patient. Some patients need less, some need more, which is why I set up the egg quality diet as an elimination diet. So you can Mm -hmm. figure out the exact diet for you Mm -hmm. because everybody's body is different. Right. But what's been researched, not super large research studies at this point is macronutrient profile, like 40% fat, 30, 25 to 30% protein and the rest carbohydrates seems Mm. to be the best for fertility. So some studies showed that just shifting because a lot of women do, even if they're eating healthy, and I'm sure you'll see this, if like, oh, you know, and I don't think everybody needs to be off gluten or dairy or soy necessarily to improve their fertility. Everybody's body is different again, but um, in, in my book, yes, you can get pregnant. I talked about how gluten and dairy can, can impact things. And I really think it's also the pesticide load in those and then whether or not we can digest them. But a lot of them will come into me and they're like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm gluten and dairy free and I haven't touched soy and I'm still not getting pregnant. And so then I'll look and I'll say, well, give me a food diary. Let me see. And I, and I look at what they're eating and their carb load is heavy. Right. You know, even if it's like good quality carbs, they're up at like 40, 50% carbs and their protein is low, 20% yeah. maybe. And then yeah. maybe the, the rest is in there as fat or they're too low on fat. A lot of women still do like low fat milk or, mm-hmm. you know, like skim cheese yeah. sticks and stuff yeah. like that. And fat is fertility's best friend. Yep. We need, we know, yeah. we, we know that from a hormone perspective, yeah. right? Cholesterol mm-hmm. is like the master of it all. And, and that's, and even Chinese medicine would like the same thing of like the juiciness, like to us as, as we age are typically yin declines, we dry out, right? We see that like menopause, it gets drier, it gets hotter in there. There's more anxiety, there's more heat, hot flashes, vaginal dryness. That's what, that's the opposite of what we want to get pregnant, right? We want, we want like moisture, more juiciness. Yeah. moisture, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And so, and sometimes that too is, is women being too skinny, right? That yeah. we know fat cells store estrogen. So sometimes it's just like getting them more plump, you know, that kind of like voluptuous look usually <laughs> lends itself to fertility. I tend to see like a BMI closer to like a 22 is where it's like the yes. sweet spot for fertility. I tell, yeah. I tell women that all the time, they'll come in with these BMIs of 17 and 18. Mm-hmm. I'm like, our BMI needs to at least be 21 and can't yeah. be over 30. Like that exactly. seems to be the sweet spot, you know, for exactly. sure, for sure. So, yeah. So it's like, you know, and I, and I love looking at the data and the research and also seeing what I see clinically. And then like kind of going back to my Chinese medicine roots, where it was just this like basic, like you ate in the seasons, you ate a variety of colorful vegetables. And that's the other thing too, that I would see in these food diaries. You know, I do recommend like six to eight servings of vegetables a day. It's hard to hit, you you know, you got to really focus on it. Most women are getting two to three max, right. You know, so talk about antioxidant load. So it's like, you can't out supplement a crappy diet. So they might be taking like all the acai berry in the world, but like, 
if you're not getting your greens and you're not really supporting right. your liver, your detox pathways, like, so things are getting gummed up in there. Right. And you just, you make that shift and you often see fertility outcomes improve. And, and then there's the other piece that is harder to, um, I, I was going to say quantify, but also harder to really approach is the mental emotional piece. So we know safety is a huge piece when it comes to healthy ovulation and fertility. And so by safety, I don't just mean that like you're not living in a war zone and, and that, that might not even be the case. We know women in war zones get pregnant. It's more like safety. Does your body have everything it needs and does it feel secure in there or is it constantly under attack? So that could be maybe there's like an inflammatory disease or an autoimmune condition, but it could also be just chronic stress, like that chronic fight or flight. Mm -hmm. we, we know just burns out, burns out the adrenals that'll affect the DHEA and the testosterone, which completely affects the egg right. quality and the and follicular genesis, right? So we know that from a Western perspective and from like Chinese medicine perspective, we just are like, your body doesn't feel like it's got enough. Like to us in Chinese medicine, Fertility comes from an overflow of chi and blood. Like I've got so much, you know what I mean? My body's got all the things it needs to do. And I have so much that I, I can make another human because it's a huge task. Not from an empty tank. Super women yeah, are that's listening it. to this because so yes. many of them think that they can will themselves into fertility. No. I think that's a big one. Like, well, I want it, it's going to happen and I'm doing X, Y, and Z. And therefore it should happen on this timeline but so many people are, are working from an empty gas tank. So uh, I think that's such a great point that we've got to fill up if we want to create more, yeah. more life and all that other stuff. And I always say too, I'm not much to what people probably see on social media. Uh, I'm not in it for the positive pregnancy test. I'm in it yeah. to help like probably similar mission to you. Like help women realize their true power so they can be the mothers that this yes. world needs, right? It's like, yeah. I want you back in your power feeling. And, and the baby is the cherry on top. Like the baby comes from that space. And right. There's no, like, I do think there's a certain diet that works for, you know, again, I've been at this almost 20 years. I feel like I've kind of figured that part out. Like there, there is a sweet spot there. And I do think animal protein plays a role. And mm -hmm. I do think grains and dairy don't support us in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? Right. Like I, you right. see, you can see it. Right. But everybody's body's different, of course. But the um, what I do see clinically is there's like this fullness that comes back to the woman, like on every level where she's just she's more in her power. Mm -hmm. And then from there, there's this manifestation that comes through and it's, you know, I love yeah. it. What about so some of the supplements? Yes. And we talked about what about glutathione? A lot of people ask sure. me about that. You know, um, I like I like NAC. I mean, I think I think they're, you know, yeah. the same thing, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah. it's easier to take and, and less expensive, but right. yeah, NAC for sure, 600 to 900. There's a cool study on endometriosis. Um, and if women take, I think it's 900 three days a week, it, it, there was like a major impact on the inflammatory, you know, mm -hmm. markers in their body and the endometriosis symptoms, which is pretty mm. cool. It's an immune modulator. So, yeah. um, but go ahead. So NAC, I think CoQ10, Ovacetol seems yeah. to be good for especially our PCOS or, mm -hmm. you know, blood sugar. Um, folks, folks, do you fish like choline? oil? What, yeah, choline for sure. Choline. Like if you yeah. eat the diet, like I got mapped out in the egg quality diet, you don't yeah. need extra choline basically, right. but right. we're all catching on. Like all the newer prenatals are adding in like a hundred milligrams yep. of choline. You know, everybody's yep. starting to catch on. Like choline is a real master, but it's in egg yolks. It's in yeah. liver. It's in yeah. spinach, you know, yeah. just 
Like I am <laughs> nutrient dense, like eat yeah. a nutrient dense diet. And, yeah. and then the supplements are again, like they're like the cherry on top. They're Got not it. the mainstay. They can't be. Um, vitamin D. So vitamin D deficiency is clearly correlated with low AMH. You increase your vitamin D levels, your AMH will increase. It's fascinating. Wow. Um, omega-3s, if the omega-3 to 6 ratio, uh-huh. you know, I don't know if you, you do those tests it in is, your clinic, yeah. but yeah. Um, I think they say if you can get the ratio 6 to 3 below a 10 to 1 and more like a, a 5, you know, like to 1 or something like that, even, even on par with each other, Pregnancy outcomes quadruple. Wow. Is that crazy? And it's because omega-6 is obviously pro-inflammatory. So you start to see this pattern of like, okay, it's really about giving the body all the anti-inflammatory stuff that it needs and and getting as little exposure as you can to the inflammatory, Hmm. but also the balance, because I think some could argue, oh, well, meat's inflammatory. Sure. You know, but we're not talking about large portions of, of animal protein, you know, a couple ounces, a couple of times a day. We're talking about large portions of vegetables though we are right. right. And and good quality fats. And so, um, I feel like the animal protein conversation is around portion control because too much is not a good thing. But all these Eastern systems of medicine believe oh, in we all. And we right? love organ meats too. Organ or, meats are ton, huge. Oh my God, my yeah. mom, God uh-huh. bless her. She <laughs> would make me eat like liver and kidney and all this other mm-hmm. stuff. It was such a big part of the culture. But yeah. the fat, the protein, yeah. it's all there, right? It's so all there. It's very hard to get that and suppress the insulin resistance yes. without animal protein. That's, so that's where all of that comes from for sure. All right. I'm going to do like a TikTok-y quick baby. Okay. So five okay. top foods for improving air quality. Liver, bone broth, eggs, liver, and bone broth. All right. Eggs and like leafy, leafy green vegetables. Can that, okay. can that be a food? Okay. Um, uh, let me think. Oh, and okay. salmon. I like some kind of good yeah. fatty fish. Omega-3. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Awesome. Had to do that. So yeah. Um, everyone always wants the quick, like, what can I do right now type stuff. So, well, this is such an important topic and yeah. I want to get into ovarian PRP. I don't even think I knew it existed. <laughs> he's also like, he's a fascinating guy. Like he's the opposite of most of the REs out there. Um, yeah. he doesn't care what your age is, you know, like, he's like, you want a baby? Let's, let's try to make it happen. You know, You're like he's kidding. Oh my yeah, God. He's, yeah. And he's like a good soul. Like, I mean, he's become a very good friend over, you know, the last whatever time frame. Yeah. but, um, how successful so PRP, is it? You know, it's, it's, He's got some great like anecdotal. He's he's doing research too right, right now. Yeah. Like they're checking. He does ozone sauna as well in his clinic. And so with that, they're looking at markers like inflammatory markers. And he said the ozone sauna drops that CRP like mm-hmm. super fast. It's kind of crazy. So mm-hmm. if we see CRP or homocysteine high, right, then we can kind of assume there's some, you know, all this uh, inflammation going on. But with the PRP, what he's seen is women who perhaps were in premature ovarian failure or premature ovarian insufficiency. It can like bring them back. Mm. He's got gotten women in their, uh, you know, late forties, mid forties, early forties to recruit more follicles and maybe have better outcomes. Not maybe then we'll have better outcomes in Mm -hmm. IVF. So maybe we Mm -hmm. can gather three instead of, you know, one or not none each, each, uh, um, retrieval. And even natural conceptions after PRP in women. So it's 
the way it seems, and it kind of wears off though. It's a basically like a three month, maybe four month time frame where you would do it, the body responds. And, and by responding, it just kind of, you know, I almost say the ovaries like juice up. It just recruits more follicles, hmm. you know, um, kind of gets the clock ticking again. Wow. And, and so then it's a prime time to either try naturally or go in and do fertility treatments. Got it. And so he's still collecting data on it, but it's been used outside of the U S for a long time. Um, there's a guy in Greece, I think that has, you know, he's got some good, you could, you could Google it or go on, you know, the national library of medicine and you'll see ovarian PRP and you'll see some, some cool research where it's improving FSH, AMH, and then pregnancy outcomes. Amazing. Wow. So much that still needs to be sorted out, but bottom line, well, that's it. We are in control of this. Yeah. Change our egg quality through food and stress management and emotional well-being. feeling safe. That one really yes, resonates. Like I like that safe. I mean, I don't want to tell too many stories, but that feeling of safety is not really relevant to socioeconomic status or no, culture it's not or, or position. It's a universal yeah. story across yes, all women. So I just think, this and even a- like with safety too, I just want to add one thing too, of like, I think about it too, not just from, you know, the obvious things that we would think of, but like, am I giving it all away or am I keeping some for myself? Like, my body feel like safe in here. Like I'm going to give to it versus like, are you hurting give... me? Right. Yeah. Like, are yeah. you hurting, are you hurting are, me? Cause are it's you like, it's everything for everyone else and right. it's busy, busy, busy. And there's no time for you. Right. And, and that doesn't create a feeling of safety in there too. Oh. And, and I feel like a big part of my job, of course, like the diet stuff, but that piece is like bringing you back home. That's kind of what I always say is like, we got to come back home. Like, how am I nourishing myself? Right. That, that creates a feeling of safety. Wow. Well, for everybody watching, I hope this has been eye opening and keeps bringing us back to the central idea of returning back to ourselves and then creating the life and the lives we want to lead. And thank you so much, Amy, for taking time oh, out thank to you. join us. That's if so someone lovely. wants to connect with you, what's the best way for them to I do I think that? my website, amyrupp.com and on Instagram, same, same thing at Amy Rupp. Wonderful. Well, thank you again for your thank time. Thank you today. so appreciate much. It. This is an important topic. And definitely guys, if you know somebody out there who's trying to get pregnant and is, is hearing some of the lines I've heard before, some of what even Amy was talking about, make sure you share this episode with them to give them a little bit of hope and a little bit of direction, because I'm telling you firsthand, these numbers change. So don't put all your faith and hope in an FSH and in an AMH. That's not the way to go. All right. Thank you guys for watching this episode of Superwoman Wellness. Make sure to rate and review it and share it with your friends. I will see you guys next time. And Amy, thank you again. Thank you so much.